Hey everyone, and welcome to Unison Christian Church, the podcast. We exist to change our community with the life-changing truth of Jesus, elevate a culture of love and holistic growth, and serve as a family built on hope. Our desire is that today's message helps you discover fresh new ways of connecting with God. Now, here is today's message. Yo, family, what's up? So week two to be together. Ah! So for some of you, you are kind of newer, like you don't even know what I mean by that. So last, uh, first of all, if it's your first time here, my name is Chase. I get to serve as the lead pastor. Welcome. Yay. Um, Yo. (laughs) Um, And uh, last week was the first week that Um, Tribes Church family had joined us, and so we became one household. So it is, and if it's your, um, like, so if you're new, yeah, well, there's a lot of people that's new. So just look, (laughs) a lot of people that don't know what we're doing here. So um, it's all new uh, for not even just the people who this is their first time in the building. It's new, period. Um, And uh, I was talking to somebody this week. Um, And that the fact that we've had even just the last year and a half of just up and down and coming and going and online and not online and house churches and not house churches, all those things, it's all new. So if you feel like you're jumping into an already moving train, all of us are there. Um, And uh, and so just get comfortable, (laughs) get comfortable. Um, Glad you are here. We are in between sermon series right now. We're actually planning the next sermon series, which will be about um, spirit realm things, uh, which is exciting because we get to, we we talk a, a lot cerebrally, right? We talk about how our faith plays out in terms of the way we think and our logic and our behaviors, but we oftentimes kind of fail to talk spiritually, right, to, to actually dive into that space as a family. Um, we feel it, but we don't talk about it as much because we also don't always have words for it. So we're working on words for it <laughs> so that we can talk about that as a family. But in between sermon series, um, we generally have some standalones. And this is a standalone um, uh, that is actually what I like to call a heart talk. It's less of a sermon in the way in which we are used to sermons. Um, It's a heart talk because, uh, generally speaking, when I'm uh, prepping for a sermon, I'll take one section of Scripture. We'll stay there for a little while. Just kind of like last week, if it was your first time here, we were just in that chunk of Philippians. That's normally what a sermon looks like here. Well, a heart talk happens once every, like every once in a while here where, honestly, in the middle of the week, um, I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying we need to talk about something that covers the full breadth of Scripture to point out something that the Father is revealing to us that is not just in one chunk. Um, And so uh, it's a heart talk also because generally speaking, it's because of something that the the Lord has been dealing with me personally about, and he makes me take some notes on it. (laughs) And then every once in a while, he's like, okay, now I want you to preach on that. Like, okay, all right. So (laughs) uh, it's very vulnerable. Um, but I do believe that it is a, it's a good thing for us. It's called the soul of suffering. Um, it will be 
primarily in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and we'll also wrap up in Revelation, but there'll also be a couple of places in between that will jump. It'll show up on the screen. Um, so I said that this was something that I was wrestling with. This was probably early COVID. I told our Unison fam then that I really felt like God was impressing upon my heart to pray for the families of individuals who were losing people to, to COVID. And, um, and that got really heavy, really heavy, because early on, like every single day on the news, it's like such and such thousands of people have died worldwide. And I was the one who, because I felt this unique call to praying for those families who had lost people, I was also checking on John Hopkins' website to see how many people were lost in the last day. Um, so some of us have lost family members in the last year and a half to COVID. Um, our household, Christine and I, we experienced 10 losses specifically to COVID. Um, in, in the matter of one of them was two weeks in early COVID, and then another was another two weeks um, this year. And it was just kind of this hammering. And I felt that. And I got to a space where I'd asked God, I, you know, I'd, I'd worked through why is there suffering? I'd already worked through that in my walk with Christ. Like, God, why do people have to suffer? Why, why is there pain? But there was a unique question. I was like, God, you can do all things. You can split Red Seas. You can raise people from the dead. Why do you tolerate suffering? Right? Because here's the thing. Like, if you read through the end of Scripture, if you read, if you get to the end of the Bible, sin and suffering is done away with. But that's not where we are in the line of history right now. So why is it that you tolerate suffering? Like, you are all-wise, all-knowing God. You can do anything you want, but for some reason, you're not erasing this. Why? I think sometimes, like, we all ask questions like that. Sometimes our question is, why do I have to go through suffering? And I truly believe that we, God likes questions like that because they get us to seek him. So we ask him, why do I have to go through, and he'll answer that. He, then we'll ask, why is there suffering in general? But this was a really unique one. Why are you still putting up with suffering? Why are you still putting up with it? I feel like you could figure out another way to teach us stuff. <laughs> it's a hard question because Scripture doesn't speak directly to it. It's okay for us to know that. There is an overarching understanding of what suffering does in Scripture, but there is really no sufficient answer when a person is suffering. Have you ever noticed that? Like if somebody is actually going through some stuff, if you're going through some stuff and you ask that question, like why you put up with suffering, there really is no real good answer for it. You can, like you can tell them, God's trying to teach you something. Like that don't feel good. <laughs> like this too will pass. Well, look, I need it to pass today. <laughs> So I want us to be on the same page about the fact that the answer to this question, if you're in the middle of a suffering season, isn't going to take away the pain. And we'll talk about that at the end. 
But as God has worked in and through me as it relates to suffering, he took me to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 3. If you've been around church for a while, you know the story of the beginning. God made the heavens and the earth. Then there was, he made two people, told them what to do, and then the one thing not to do. And this is where we get into that what not to do is where we join them right now. Genesis chapter 3. There was also this other character in the beginning called the serpent. um, And he was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you'll die. Y'all, this sounds familiar. Some of you got an apple in your hair right now. Okay, right? You have, you're seeing an apple, specifically a honey crisp apple, because that would tempt anybody, right? Anyway, now, <laughs> the serpent says, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. If, if you have like a paper Bible or you have a way of like highlighting something in your electronic Bible, I would underline that last little piece. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. We've talked about this portion of Scripture several times. This is not new for many of us. It's like it's old news. But I think just for the sake of understanding the full breadth of Scripture as it relates to suffering, this is the beginning of suffering. This is the beginning This is when suffering entered into human and also all of creation's reality. Sin is the beginning of suffering. And I don't necessarily just mean like sin as in what we do that is quote unquote wrong. Action, yeah, sure, that that definitely causes suffering. But the very presence of sin, the noun sin, right? There's a verb sin, but there's also a noun sin sin. It's that thing that causes us to think about ourselves. Like I always say that the root of sin isn't like bad. It's selfishness. It's self-centered. Because when you think about it, like Eve didn't want anything that was bad. She wanted wisdom. She wanted to know the difference between good and evil, right? That's a good thing. Sin, though, wasn't just that she disobeyed God in terms of not eating from that tree. It's the idea that I could get something good without God. It's the idea that even the good that I want, I can have without him somewhere, and I can somehow bypass creator. That's where it gets nasty. (laughs) That's where it gets messy. The temptation wasn't the fruit. The temptation was knowledge minus creator's involvement. 
So the Holy Spirit had me marinating and staying in that space for a little while and then plainly answered me. I tolerate sin, or excuse me, I tolerate suffering because in a world marinated in sin, suffering is the only thing reminding you that you need me. Hold just for a second. I know because some of us, that, that, that hits us really hard. That's not the same thing as saying that God imposes all of suffering upon us to make us know that, he need, that we need him. But when we really think about it, if we think about the beginning of sin being this idea that I can get something minus God, I don't need him to get what I want, then really... Suffering is the only mechanism that reminds us as humans that we do need them. I want you to see this picture because I got some kids. I have four. Christine and I, we have four children. And, uh, and I remember taking them to the park and they would run, like, you would like, get out of the van and like just run and completely forget that you exist, right? If you don't have children yet, just keep living. When you have children and you get to that point, if you plan to, they'll forget that you exist as soon as they get on the swing. Like, and they will run and they will play hard. And there's only two times they'll come back to you when they want a snack or they hurt themselves. If you, some of us know, like, I mean, your kids, they bump their head on, on or they, they scrape their leg on the slide because, you know, their shorts rolled up real quick when they got the plastic, got them. It was hot. And they immediately don't care about anything else on the playground except finding you. That's us. That's what that feels like. That's us. That is what it is. I know that it's, it's a little kid and it's not, that, it's not that deep of suffering. The idea of bumping your head on the playground and experiencing loss is not the same. I get it. But if we're going to call him father, there's some things that he shows us in our own kids that help us to understand the relationship that we are to have with him. And it's not to say that the father made the child bumped their head, but I tolerate you bumping your head so that you know that you need me because we get so marinated in sin. We get so caught up, not just in the actions, but the very presence of that makes me feel good about me, that pursuit of my own happiness, that I could be tricked into believing that I do not need a God. So after that, felt like the father kind of spoke and said, that's why I tolerate it. Do you want to see what I do with it? <laughs> this is the part that got actually really interesting for me a few months back. The Old Testament talks about suffering as this kind of inevitable reality, right? If you read through the Psalms, suffering is all through the Psalms, but really God is the one who can deliver us from it. If you read through Job, suffering is this interesting thing like, you did something wrong and that's why, you get, that's why you're getting what you're getting, Job, even though Job didn't do anything wrong, right? Like everyone in the Old Testament, just from Adam and Eve onward, 
It's like it's an inevitable, rea inevitable reality. Suffering is a part of what it is to be human, and God can deliver us from it. But the New Testament starts to talk differently about suffering. Really early on, like Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes, Jesus starts saying that you're blessed when you mourn. Some of you have read that in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger. Blessed are those who are oppressed. Blessed are all these things that feel like trash. <laughs> Paul says this in Romans chapter 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us to develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. James says something else in, very similar, in, in, right? Count it all joy when you go through various trials. That's in James chapter 1, verse 2. Paul and James are not trying to tell us to feel good about your pain. He's, they are saying look forward to what that suffering bears in us. There is fruit that comes out of that suffering. I'm not saying feel good about it. I'm not saying like, you know, do a cartwheel when your grandmother passes away. That's not, it's not even, that's not what insensitivity we are experiencing in Scripture. It's just to say that as you press through that, there's something on the other side that's valuable to us if we allow ourselves to go through it with the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's actually why that portion of Rome, why I picked that portion. See, Oftentimes when we go through suffering, when we go through stuff, we're preoccupied with just let it be done. Let it be done. I just want to be done with it. I just want to be done with it. God, just take the pain away. Just take the suffering away. Just cover it. Blind me to it. Do whatever you got to do. Numb me to it, God. But when we're actually in it, allow ourselves to press into the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul actually starts talking about the Holy Spirit there, right? When we allow ourselves to just sit with God in the middle of our pain, something happens that would not happen if we just numbed ourselves to it. When we allow God to move in us through our suffering, he doesn't always take away the pain, but he does something inside of us that gives us 3D vision. He changes our heart, not just about what we're going through, but our, about our world in general. Have you noticed that? Like some of us, if you've lived long enough to go through some stuff and you've actually walked through it with God and not tried to avoid God in the process, <laughs> but you've allowed him to comfort you through it, our whole outlook on life changes. That doesn't feel good, though. <laughs> Todd was like, <laughs> so I want you to see this picture of expectations. Some of us have an expectation <laughs> of feeling comfortable all the time, even when we walk with, with Christ. That's our, that's our hope. Like, 
I give my life to Jesus, and he makes it all better. I know that some of us were sold on Jesus that way. Don't, look, I know that's why some of us actually jumped into the faith. <laughs> there were two things we were promised. It was going to all be good and no hell. <laughs> Right? That's what we like. That I means some of us, we grew up in that era where that's what they were pushing. <laughs> so when we come up against what feels like hell, <laughs> we don't know what to do with ourselves. And we feel like Jesus has abandoned us or we feel like we did something wrong. My great grandmother would say, if you haven't felt that yet, just keep living. <laughs> Just keep living. If you ain't got there yet, just keep living. And so when reality hits that we will feel discomforted in this, uh, in this reality, in this world, we have a whole lot of room for disappointment. And if we have been walking with Christ for a long time and we feel a reverence for God, that disappointment we refuse to put on God. So we put it on ourselves. And if we're new in it, we abandon it because I'm not interested. If, if I knew if I was going to fill this trash after I accepted Christ, then I just would have kept living in, I would have stayed at the club. <laughs> so I can feel trash and still have fun, right? Fun, quote, unquote. <laughs> but here's the piece that actually started to really, really stir inside of me. If I expect to feel comfortable the whole time, then I actually don't experience the promised comforter. Wait a minute, God, what? <laughs> if I'm also numbing myself so that I can not feel the pain, then I actually pull myself away from receiving the promise of a comforter. A part, of this, a part of this walk is not just Jesus makes it all better. Jesus makes me all better. But the world I live in is still trash. And so, living to fulfill my own comforts blocks us from receiving the promised comforter and continues in the pattern of seeing good without God. That's the very essence of sin, fam. It's this idea that I could get or I could feel better in my suffering minus the comforter. I don't need the Holy Spirit. If I just work more, I'll feel better. That's an apple. <laughs> if I just have more sex. If I just make this person happy. If I just go to all of my kids' stuff. <laughs> Some of us aren't allowing ourselves to feel any discomfort, and we are heaping on upon ourselves all the comforts of a busy life. Yeah, we talk about drugs. That's a real thing. Yeah, we talk about alcoholism. That's a real thing. Yeah, we talk about those. But let's talk about all of it, because all of it is the exact same fruit. Every single one thing that we do to comfort ourselves when we're suffering, as opposed to just allowing the comforter to do his job, <laughs> all of it is a fruit. All of it 
is that tree. And it's not bad to want to feel better. Sometimes we've learned that too, like it's bad to want to feel good, and that's not true. It's not bad to want to feel good. That's not the sin, just like the sin wasn't desiring wisdom. The temptation is the idea that I can get there without God. And every single time, I position myself to receive that, minus God, just eating from that tree over and over and over and over and over and over again. And if you allow yourselves for a moment to let that sink in, you'll see that every single sin is that. Really, when we think about it, every single time I do something that is opposite of God's desire for me, it is me fulfilling something of my own desire or my own need minus him. And he promises me not that everything in my life will feel good, not that every single situation is going to, like, be exciting. This promises in Scripture, but none of them are, Chase, you're going to feel good every day. The promises are that I'll turn whatever you're navigating in for your good, right? I'm gonna, like, you got some stuff happening, I'm going to make that for your good. You're going through some stuff, I'm going to teach you and teach them, and it's all going to be good at the end of it. And I'll be with you through it. Those are the promises. If our expectation is anything else, that means that we have misplaced our expectations. We have taught each other incorrectly. What we should teach each other is that the soul of suffering is, it actually motivates us to seek God. Because in reality, I can get into a rhythm of not even talking to God if there's no problems in my life. And I know I'm not the only one. Come on. Don't act like y'all so saved that y'all forgot to pray one day. <laughs> you look up and everything is all good and you ain't said nothing to Jesus. <laughs> it's actually only when something gets on your nerves and like, God, oh, wait a minute, my bad, Lord. <laughs> there you go. That's okay. It's okay for us to be real about that. At some point, we mature into the place where that's not the only time we go talk to him. But let's be real. When our life is in chaos, we talk to him more. I have sincerely never prayed more in my life than in the last two years. I've been walking with the Lord for a long time. I regularly pray daily, but because of what I've been navigating, because of what my wife and my children have been navigating, because of what our church family has been navigating and our world, I end up talking to God more times than not in a day. And my world is better for it. <laughs> my world is better for it. And so it reminds me that I need him and the other part of the soul of suffering is that if I allow the comforter to be with me through it, I do say allow on purpose because we, we can shut them off. We allow the Holy Spirit to be with us through it. I'll get to the other side of it. And when I get to the other side of it, 
the knowledge of good and evil that I would have wanted to get on my own. Actually, he just gives to me. The wisdom that I want, the wisdom that I would have tried to get on my own, he just gives to me. Because that's also what he says in James 2, right? Anybody who's lacking wisdom, all we got to do is ask for it and he'll give it. He just gives it to me because I stayed with him. We can't talk about the soul of suffering and not talk about the fact that there's going to be a time where that's not a reality for us. That's the full breadth of Scripture. The soul of suffering is that it had a beginning and it has an ending. Catch that. It is not God. <laughs> Sin and suffering are not competition for God. I know sometimes we feel like that. We get overwhelmed by our suffering to the point where we forget that there is an all-powerful God. But there is no suffering that can outpower God because it had a beginning and it has an ending. In Revelation chapter 21, there's just two verses. I'd encourage you to read all of 21, but I'm going to just read these two verses. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people, exclamation point. <laughs> he will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Did I lose? Uh, oh, no, we're good. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. That's an exciting thing to look forward to, but I think one thing that I want to make sure that we as a church family don't start to look forward to is just with a life without the pain. Because that's not actually when, it's not, that's not the point that we're looking forward to. We look forward to God being here and that being the catalyst for an existence without pain. That's the catalyst. So much of us look forward to Rome, or excuse me, Revelation, and this is like, oh, it's going to be without pain, it's going to be without pain, and that's great. But don't forget that the catalyst for it being without pain is the fact that the presence of God has replaced the presence of sin. The presence of God. When you read through all of Revelation, you see that the very presence of God becomes the light. And in God's light, there's no shadow. Nothing is unseen. Nothing is unknown by God. In 20, sin and suffering actually get thrown into a lake of fire. His presence becomes the reality that is my peace. And I get to have what's called a foretaste of that now. Here's the thing. We're going to experience suffering in the world that we live in because the world we live in is marinated in sin. And there is a time in which that marinating, that marination, if that's a real word, will be gone. But until that time, I don't have to be marinated in sin. And because I don't have to be marinated in sin, my reality doesn't have to mirror the suffering of the world around me. 
I can experience peace now because the same presence that will be in Revelation chapter 21 is with me right now. The same presence, the same light, the same good that I can look forward to washing away all the darkness and trash that is a world marinated in sin exists in me right now. So even as I go through suffering, I can still experience joy. Even as I go through the trash of this world, I can still experience light. Oh, come on, family. Depression is real, but God can still be present in our depression, whether it's momentary or clinical. I know cl people who have clinical depression who still experience the joy of God daily. They're real? Yes, absolutely. And we can talk about them. I'm not saying pray it away either, but I am saying this. Even in our depression, our anxiety, our sadness, our troubles, because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in me, if I let him, if I let him, I can experience revelation before it even happens. I can actually go to sleep. If you ain't, you ain't got there yet, just keep living where the world around you is keeping you up. I'm not saying that Jesus is a magic pill for getting rid of suffering. Please don't hear that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it is the will and the desire of the Father that we suffer with him as a part of that process. And in anticipation of a world where suffering is no more, I get to at least experience a foretaste of that, a whiff of it, if you will. Like before, before you eat a really good meal, you can smell it wafting through the house. That's what we get to experience right now. You walk into a house and you smell fresh baked bread. And then you get to the counter and you realize it's just a candle. Wait, no, 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 this one's real, this one's real, this one's real. <laughs> it's not a candle, fam. It eventually will get the bread. <laughs> but in the meantime, we get to embrace the aroma of God's presence even before we get to taste the bread. So, some reflection and action for us. This part is hard. Praise God for how he has comforted, kept, and matured you through suffering. Some of us, we praise God that he's taken us out of the suffering, and I'm encouraging you to go back. Woo! I'm encouraging you to go back. Not go back into the suffering. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying go back and ask God how he was with you through it. Show me, God, how you were with me through that suffering. Show me what you taught me in that suffering, and then praise him for that too. Yes, praise him. We will celebrate all day long when we're delivered through something. But I also want us to go back and say, God, show me what you did in me through it. And I'll praise you for that too. 
Here's the, here's the great part about that. Listen, when we praise him, when he delivers us, that fades. When we praise him for what he taught us in it, every single time we get to use that lesson, he gets more praise. Every single time. Every single time I love my wife more because of what God has taught me, I get to praise him in that because of what he taught me through the challenge that got me there. Which is not the same as just, God, thank you for getting me over that hump. And the last is probably the most controversial thing I'll say here. (laughs) The same God who established the boundaries of the sea has established the boundaries of your suffering. He's the one who says that it doesn't go this far. It can only go this far. That's actually a piece that we have in saying that God made all things. That's not the same thing as me telling you God made your suffering. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying God imposes suffering upon you. I'm not saying that at all. But the creator who established how far the sea can go also established how far your suffering can go because he was here before it made all of the laws and everything that would allow it to even exist and he is here after it let that be peace for us when we're at the very bottom when we're at the lowest part of our suffering and we're honestly saying, God, this can't go on anymore. Please, please don't let this go on anymore. Please. That would be a moment for us to breathe and say, God, I don't want this to go on any longer. But you are good. And so I trust that you will not allow this to get anywhere beyond what you see as good for me, even though it feels like trash. I trust that you won't. From experience, from experience. That's not Christianese saying God won't put more on you than you can bear. I'm not saying that because sometimes it actually is more than I can bear currently. If you've ever worked out and they tell you to lift this weight, it's more than you can push that day. (laughs) That's actually how you get stronger is you push beyond what you actually feel like you can do, right? But I am saying I trust you, God, in the suffering. And when you say that it can't go any further, that's what I want to experience. I don't want to pull myself out before your good is revealed. That's hard, fam. I can tell even now that that's like, for many of us, is like, it's conflicting. That's why I said that in the New Testament, it talks, it, it talks about suffering very differently. It contrasts it with our emotions. This is the soul of suffering. 
it is bad that God reveals his goodness in. So here's what I would want us to do. Some of us are experiencing and have been experiencing suffering either for a short time or a long time. I'm reminded of the woman who struggled with the issue of blood. That was 12 years. 12 years. I'm reminded of Joseph who was sold into slavery and then ended up in prison and then blah, blah, blah for over a decade, 14 years by some account. I'm reminded even of my own life. But there have been times where suffering honestly feels like it's just not going to end. If we're in that space, and we've been asking God to take it away, I want to challenge you on this morning to ask God to comfort you through it. Don't take it away, God. Just comfort me through it. And show me your goodness in the middle. That's a completely different prayer. It's a completely different prayer. Show me your goodness, God. Show me your goodness. Because right now this suffering is making it difficult to see your goodness. But I trust that you are good. Some of us have not even placed our faith in Christ in a way that this computes or makes sense to us. We know, honestly, we know we need it. (laughs) But the idea of what that looks like might be fresh or new. God does not desire to take away all your suffering, but God desires to love you well through it. And if you let him, you will experience a joy and a peace that you do not have words for. That's a part of the promise of of an abundant life. And let me tell you what you need to do. God, I know I need you. The trick was that I wouldn't need you, but I know I do. And I surrender myself. The things that I'm doing to replace you, I let them go. And I receive your Holy Spirit as a comforter and guide for my life. I don't say that, I don't do that because it's easy from that point on. I just told you, if we don't have our expectations right, we'll be disappointed with God. But I am saying that that's the beginning. That's the beginning. And God wants to do something in all of us to take us beyond just the beginning that actually allows me to live in that well. And so I'm going to pray for us. Some of you, some of you are here who I've never said anything like that. I've never thought that way. I've never processed. I've never placed faith in Christ that way. 
I really, really, really don't want you to go away without connecting. Um, can I like, okay, so Tracy, I got the chance to talk with Tracy <laughs> this week. <clears throat> Those of you who don't know Tracy Sanchez, she kind of led um, the prayer ministry for tribes, and, um, and I'm going to like, if you like are in that space where you know I need to pray, do some work with God, I, need, I want to experience that, talk with Tracy before you leave, okay? Talk with Tracy before you leave. Um, but before we, before we go, I want to pray with you, and then, uh, and then we'll move. Our Father, our God. You are good. You promised us in this life that you would be with us you wouldn't leave us and you wouldn't forsake us and that you would send a comforter, Jesus. And the reason you promised us that is because you also could foresee that life would be hard. You wouldn't have to promise to never leave us if it was going to be easy. You wouldn't have to promise to send a comforter if we wouldn't need comforting. And so, God, we thank you that you foresaw the challenges of a world marinated in sin and have provided for us your presence through your Holy Spirit. We embrace your provision. Give us grace to cast off everything that we would use to replace your comforter. Give us grace to cast off everything that we would use to replace the good that we want that comes from you getting it some other way. Just give us grace to trust you. Give us grace to trust you. And when my world begins to become heavy, may my trust in you be the thing that rises and shines. May it be my trust in you that I look forward to and the people around me see. God, those of us who are in suffering now, God, we give you our own hearts and say, Lord, move in us in such a way that we see your goodness even in our suffering. And also give us a hope for an anticipation of your presence that will completely remove it. God, there's stuff that we don't know to ask because we're just, we just don't know. Holy Spirit, intercede for us. And may we as a body grieve and mourn together <clears throat> so that no one suffers alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Do me a favor, stand with me if you're able. <clears throat> I was like, I know I tell you, like, those are vulnerable. Like, those, those are moments where. <laughs> um, so, as we go, may we go comforted by the Holy Spirit, but also maturing in God's will to not take away our pain, but to be with us through it. And may we seek him more and more daily. Love y'all and see you next week. 
Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and believe others could benefit from hearing about us, please remember to share and subscribe to Unison Christian Church wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also catch us live at unisongr.com or on Facebook. See you next week.